Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, we have been talking about the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, but before we get there... Um, why don't you tell our listeners about our great news that we have now? Uh, the Reformation Conference is back after a year hiatus. We felt like maybe things were getting a little stale, so we should take a year off um, <laughs> so that we can recreate the excitement. That's actually one plausible theory. There might be another. Um, so this year it's going to be moved a little bit earlier just because of some conflicts with trying to get our speakers in town. But we finally have the date of September 17th and 18th, um, and it is Dr. Robert Godfrey and Dr. Terry Johnson are both coming to speak on a topic of worship, Be Thou My Vision. My vision. And um, we're super excited. Both have written extensively on this topic, have talked and given conference extensively on this on this subject matter. Um, we are excited to have them with us, and hopefully you'll be able to mark your calendars already. Well, this is what we were made for. It with is what worship. we were made for. I mean, yep. in, in one yeah. sense, this is the greatest theme that could a conference could hold, because yeah. what was what's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to well, enjoy him well, forever. Well, John, John Piper would say, uh, missions exist because worship does. Doesn't. Right. Yep. Yeah. You know, this is, as you say, this is what we're created for. Yep. Yep. So, ReformationBoise.com, if you go to that website, you can find some of the details. Hopefully, the registration link is up, but if it is not, it will be soon, uh, September 17th and 18th. Mark your calendars. All right. So, now we left off in John 21 yesterday about uh, Jesus approaching Peter and asking him three times, Lord, do you love me? Uh, do one of you guys want to just summarize real quick, and then we can pick up where we left off? Well, would you like me to read it? Read oh, that, that would uh, hurt. How about, how about we, we, we'll just start at the end where Jesus said, feed my sheep, and then verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is really just a 
tangential thought, but um, the story begins after they finished breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I would just give this as, as a slight encouragement to to the listeners that I would strongly encourage you to eat meals together as a family. Yes. Uh-huh. I would look back over the years that I've been raising my children that the best moments, best conversations, the the time of of actually addressing meaningful things have been after we've had a meal together uh-huh. and we're sitting at the table yes. and sometimes we might sit there for 30 minutes an hour after we're actually done eating and some of the the most meaningful conversations that I've had with my children have occurred after those meals. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think that's the application of the text. No. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that at all. So please, no need to write a Tangent, letter. A very side road, right? But there. it is a side road that mm-hmm. I think there are moments that you create in the life of a family um, by just giving time. And one of those times, yes. I think, is is after meals. So that's just. Yes. It's. I know it's. It's not the point of the text. It's yeah. tangent, but I. I I think it's still important in the raising of your fa- of your family. Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, when I was uh, teaching this passage a couple years ago. So, if you look in your if you if you have your Bibles open, you can see that verses fifteen through nineteen is kind of one block, and then the translators put a you know subtitle over it, Jesus and Peter, and then it goes into the next section, and it ends. This section ends with with uh, Jesus prophesying what kind of death that Peter was going to. Um, die, which is really interesting because the juxtaposition is Jesus restoring Peter with "Do you love me?" three times, right next to "Oh, and by the way, this is the way that you're going to die." A- and I'm convinced that those two things go together in a sure. in a really important way. Mm-hmm. Here, Peter, in one sense was a colossal failure, at least in his own eyes. I mean, Jesus knew exactly what Peter was going to do, but. This news of the way that he was going to die was actually part of the rest, in, in my opinion, part of the restoration, because he's basically saying, "Okay, you've totally blown it, but but here's the good news: you are going to finish the course. Mm-hmm. You're going to finish the course in such a way where you're going to bring maximum glory to me in the way that you die." And that mm-hmm. actually would have been really good news. Yes. I, th- I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer when. Uh, he says, when Jesus bids us follow him, he bids us come to die. Yes. There's, a, there's a sense in which we're all to die to ourselves, and we're to take up our cross and follow the Lord, and that's, you know, that's in some ways inherent in this text as well. Sure, yeah. that's in Bonhoeffer's uh, The Cost of Discipleship. Right. And then after this, after giving this prophecy about how Peter uh, would die, the, the maybe it would be helpful, maybe the listener doesn't know because the scriptures don't tell us directly how Jesus died, mm-hmm. but from church history we do, uh, and maybe that Peter, would be helpful. Peter, how Peter, you mean, you how mean Peter, Peter, yeah, yeah, how Peter ended up dying. Maybe that would be helpful for the listener to know. I think sure. I think that tradition says that Peter was crucified, but Peter Peter uh, was crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to die in the same manner. So, yeah, and that's and that's tradition. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know for sure, but uh, the exact exact manner of his death. But it, it, it's safe to assume that the, the tradition is accurate that he was a martyr mm-hmm. for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And sorry, now you were going to say, oh, he's already forgotten it. Sure, yeah, yeah it's all it's gone. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, uh, the very last word uh, in John's gospel, the very last word 
that uh, Peter, or rather that Jesus speaks to Peter, is follow me. Uh, this uh, very simple, basic charge um, that your life's mission is to follow me. And uh, it's uh, powerful that uh, Mark's gospel tells us that the very first words that Jesus spoke to Peter were, follow me. And uh, Mark's gospel, uh, early church tradition tells us that Mark's gospel is based on the, the teaching and preaching of Peter. Uh, so uh, his journey with Jesus, uh, his journey with uh, the, the teaching of Jesus in, in person begins with follow me, and it ends with follow me. And there's something powerful for all disciples in that, uh, that our life mission is to, is to love Jesus and to follow him. And the idea here is that Jesus is saying, will you still do that knowing how it's going to play out? Yeah. Um, you're going to die a martyr's death. Yeah. We don't know if he was crucified upside down or not. I believe he was. I think church history has been pretty, you, you know, trustworthy, trustworthy, but also pretty unanimous on that. There's not a lot of variance. But we do know from this text that it's going to be a martyr's death. Jesus is saying somebody's going to lead you where you don't want to go. Yeah. Um, and, it, and Jesus is saying, knowing that, Will you still follow? And you know, and and previous to that, he Peter's been told to feed uh, the the sheep, mm-hmm. uh, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, and this is a reference to his role that he's going to have with regard to the church. He's going to be a, a shepherd underneath the Lord, who is our shepherd, and Peter's going to take on that role. We'll see that. In a number of ways, you know, we read the epistles, we see him shepherding a scattered congregation in in First uh, Peter and Second Peter, and at the end of Second uh, Peter, uh, Peter is exhorting other elders, other shepherds in in First Second Peter, or rather First Peter chapter five. He says, "So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed." revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So he's tying his life to that. He's following Christ. He's tying his life to the chief shepherd, and and he's going to be that shepherd and feed the flock. As he's going to take up the charge that God has given him, that Christ has given to him. Yeah. Going back real quick to what Jesus said, um, well, parenthetically, uh, it says in verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. I think it kind of begs the question, how does Peter dying as a martyr bring glory to God? And I think there's multiple answers. I think one answer obviously is, you know, Peter showed that he, he loved Christ more than his own life. And to, to the watching world, that certainly says volumes mm-hmm. uh, because we naturally and uh, love our lives more than anything else and we preserve. And when someone is willing to give up their life for another object, it shows that that object is supremely valuable. But I think there's one more uh, way that this, this death of Peter's would glorify God. It, it shows the world uh, that Christ is willing to send his servants to death 
in order to save other lost sinners. And, mm-hmm. and you see this throughout the history of the church, that the blood of the martyrs is, you know, the fertilizer that, that, that builds the church up. And God loves lost sinners so much that he's even willing to put his own precious saints to death in order to be witnesses to them. I also think that there's an apologetic here for the resurre- resurrection, um, because the resurrection is going to explain the transformation of the, of the disciples. You know, when, uh, when the shepherd was struck in the garden, um, the sheep scattered, the disciples scattered. Peter denies the Lord. But with the resurrection uh, comes a, a boldness, a transformation that comes over all the d- disciples. The, the one who once was a coward is now bold in the face of the very people that put Jesus to death. And so I think that um, you know we can't forget the reality of the resurrection here and the transforming power of the resurrection in Peter's life. Yeah, and just the, just the fact that they were faithful to Jesus to the point of death it shows uh, absolutely uh, their their experience of the risen Jesus. If they had just made that up, uh, and it's uh, 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 Chuck Colson, uh, who is now mm-hmm. with the Lord, points this out. In his um, book, Loving God. Yeah, that he says, uh, you know, from his Watergate experience, that if, if, if the resurrection was a lie— they wouldn't have kept it for two days, let alone all the way to the all the way to their death. Uh, you know, he, he, he his Watergate experience was that uh, a dozen men couldn't keep alive for three weeks. Well, and this is true of all the disciples. John was the only one who didn't die a martyr's death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, so much good stuff here. Um, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of our broadcasts, you can subscribe in whatever app. Uh, you have and uh, just make sure you type in the gospel for life and you can catch up on all of our previous episodes we will see you next time 